0: Well, hello, and welcome to Book Talk. A, we're on time, and B, the podcast, and everything is recording and working, and now I can't get it stopped. So we are working and working well this week. Um, So, Jenny, take it away while things are working.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Book Talk for May 16th. Instead of whatever I said last week, that was definitely wrong. Anyway, at least I know the date today. Hope everyone's had a good reading week. And, Nolan, how are you today?
2: I am the better side of excellence. I've had a a decent reading week. Um, Can't complain. Some of it's been eh, a little uppy and downy, but uh, that's okay. They can't all be really amazing. You're bound to have a few. It's called life. That's what it's called. <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly right.
0: You know, I get we get the honor this weekend of going to visit our grandchildren, but the most important thing is grandson is graduating from high school oh, and with honors and uh, all of that good stuff, so things do go on and you kinda of put things in perspective you know what i mean yeah
2: that's really cool. so
0: that's here we are and let me make one quick note the podcast is a little shortened last week only because we had a technical issue but like i said in the title some is better than nothing
2: absolutely
0: so Especially you got a good 38 minutes or 30 some minutes of it um it happens wow. and it wow. will happen again over the years so you know, don't worry about it. It'll happen again. Yep. So we try. So go ahead and take it away.
2: You want to go first? You want me to?
1: Well, I can. I uh, read this book not long ago. It was, um and it's called The Guest List. And it's by Fern Michaels. And this book is about um Abby and Mallory, two young girls, and they're. They. Something. Their parents are mysteriously murdered, and they are adopted by their uncle. And Abby is the good girl. She. She was the little sweetheart in the time she was a little girl, and Mallory was not so sweet, and they. She did all kinds of bad things, and they institutionalized her because they thought she had enough mental problems that she needs to be in an institution and so they reunite as adults they kept in touch off and on and so they reunite as adults around Christmas time and Abby becomes a writer and she has a a terrible birthmark on her face that makes her you know subconscious about going in public so she convinces her sister to do the personal all of the tv reviews and everything for her books and answer the questions and do all that like like she would do it and while they're in the process of doing all this Mallory convinces Abby to write a book about their family So that they can try and find out what happened to their parents And of course, there's somebody who doesn't really want that to happen And things come to a crashing conclusion at the grand Oh, I guess you would call it the the publishing party of When her book is released, they have a party And they invite all these people And something happens at that party And they find out really what it what everything was all about, and it was a really good book. Um, it was a different than most Fern Michaels books that I've read, but I really liked it. It was called The Guest List, and it's it's listed as romantic su- suspense fiction, and it's DB five one zero one zero.
2: Outstanding. I, you don't want to confuse that with another book called The Guest List by Lucy Foley, right? Which is a thriller. Which I can't remember whether I've read it. I would have to go look.
1: I haven't read that one. It's on my it's on my audible list, but right. I haven't read it yet.
2: Yeah, exactly. I get that. Uh, I'm going to take a, a massive turn here, <laughs> and we're going to do a little nonfiction. We got to do some of that for our listeners because you know they don't always like straight fiction all the time. One or one or two of them anyway. The book I want to recommend is. It's, it's been around a while. It was written about 18 years ago, so the, the last chapter is up as outdated. I'll talk about that briefly. This is called Do You Speak American? and The author is Robert McNeil. He's the, the guy of the mcneil Air News Hour that used to be on PBS some time back. In fact, this book is a companion to a PBS program, I guess, that so was called Do You Speak American? And I loved this book. I, I was just engrossed in every page and every word of it. However, for people who don't really care much about the English language, you don't find it all that fascinating. Eh, maybe it's kind of, I use it because i got to use it, otherwise I don't want to use it. Kind mi- of mindset. Um, this may not be your book, but I have to tell you, even if you are remotely passively interested in English, this is a fun, fun book to read. The author looks at the status of english in the united states what's really happening with it what's going on with it is it you know the prune faced grammarians guys like me will say it's in terrible decline these young people are using abbreviations when they text and it's all just coming apart and it sounds terrible <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then you have the anything goes crowd out there who basically says oh no that makes it alive and vibrant and real and it's really cool to see all these weird vib- uh, weird uh, abbreviations and all this weird stuff that's going on and um these guys delve into, or Robert McNeil does, delves into what really is going on with English in the United States. Is it is it coming apart or is it doing well? And the magic of the book is they let you decide for yourself. They don't take a position one way or another. Um, this is really snappy and quick. It's a seven-hour read if you don't crank the speed up of your book player. Um, it looks at changing dialects. This was fascinating to me. Prior to World War II, Americans believed that if you wanted to sound educated, you had to drop your R's. Um, Franklin D. Roosevelt comes to mind here. If you've ever heard an old FDR speech, that weird, I think it's weird, uh, pretentious, I think, but not so much in his day, way that he had of speaking where he would drop his R's and uh, use sometimes sort of clipped words, that was considered to be an educated way to speak. And if you go back and listen to old-time radio from the 30s, and 40s some of those characters spoke in that that way uh i can't come up with a perfect example right now but uh i know i've heard it and if you listen to you know to some of those old-time radio shows bill has uh, on file somewhere uh it's out there and it's it's very real after world war ii that kind of died out and uh even new yorkers began to change their dialogue to not reflect their native son franklin d anymore i guess um then it looks at how standardized the language is. Even though television exists, some of those dialects remain strong. You can go into the southern states and still hear some pretty pretty broad stuff. Um, and uh, television hasn't changed that much. The authors argue that migration of people has changed that more than television. We're all cha- moving around the country. Their stat statistic was that one seventh of us move during the course of, the, of a, any given calendar year. I'm sure it may be even higher than that nowadays. Uh, the, the chapter is entitled This This Ain't Your Mama's South Anymore. Uh, it's a delightful chapter that talks about changing dialects. Um, the next chapter that I loved a lot was, was one entitled Hispanic Immigration. And I have to confess, I until I read this chapter, I was of the opinion that with all these, the massive number of migrants coming over the border, English was probably a doomed language in the United States. It would probably eventually fade to black and die or else become some funky hybrid these guys say no not so fast that's not what's happening they cite statistics that indicate that by the time a family has been here into its third generation those kids are speaking english uh, without any difficulty whatsoever and and insisting on doing it in fact so uh, i had to change my attitude on that a little a little bit um let's see the, the most boring chapter in here is one entitled, what's it called? Uh ah, Bad Mouthing Black English. And it went on and droned about whether hip-hop should be its own special language and rap. And I, I, don't, I don't know, whatever. Um, it just bored me. That's all I can say. Um, chapter 7 is called Language from a State of Change, and it looks at um, this, this influence of what the authors call kind of California dialect. That gave us the Valley Girl speech of the 1980s. Some of you remember that. I'll bet there's even a legend DJ somewhere who, at some point in his time on this channel, has played Moon Unit Zappa and her famous song from the 80s. I don't, it might have been even me, but I don't think so. Uh, I'm not going to take credit <laughs> for that. Um, but she certainly spoke in a, a bizarre, interesting way. Part of the California dialect was that females, especially, would end their sentences with, sent, with questions. And you used to hear that a lot, maybe more than you do now, but it was really common at one point in time all over the country. They would end with, and they called it, they even had a name for it. It was called Up Talk. Um, So uh, this is a great, great book. I I just, the final chapter deals with speech recognition, and it's outdated. And if you skip it, you're not going to miss anything. Once again, that's called Do You Speak American by Robert McNeil. His name is spelled M A C, capital N E I L. The order number, if you are able to order things from the National Library Service for the blind and print disabled, is DB62014. Once again, DB62014. It's called Do You Speak American?
1: That should be interesting.
2: That's a lot of fun. But again, you know, it's, it depends if you just really don't care at all about the language. And that's there, most most of us don't. We just push the button and get the result, and that's fine.
1: Um, No one?
2: Yes.
3: Pierre has raised his hand.
2: Oh, let's let's hear from him. Evening.
0: Are we really going to let 225 talk? Go ahead, Pierre. I read a
2: good book this week. Uh, It's called uh, The Water Keeper by
0: Charles Morton. What it's about, is about human trafficking. And this one man who... uh, he meets this woman summer, and her daughter is captured by it. and so the the book is him about him trying to find uh angel and meanwhile he's rescuing all the sixteen 17 year old girls from all these traffickers and and it's got a lot of boat blowing up and explosions and <laughs> Wow I really enjoyed it.
2: It sounds really relevant to our time too because that stuff's still going on in in big ways right so. Once again, can you repeat the name of that, please? Okay, it's The Water Keeper by okay. Charles Martin. All right, very good. Thank you. And did you read it on, how did you read it? Did you use the National Library Service or did you use yes, Audible? Yes. National Library Service. Okay, great. Thank we'll you.
0: nab it for you.
2: Great, thank you.
0: Okay, Jenny, you got another one or something else?
1: Well, I am. Um... I took a little look just for fun, for something different. I looked at some of the, of the, all top five or six books that are listed in the, in the popular, most popular books on Bard. Of course, they're not in any real order, but I, I just picked, well, four or five uh, fiction books and four or five nonfiction books just to get an idea of what people were reading. So, uh, the, in fiction, uh, is going going rogue. Rise and shine, twenty nine by Janet Ivanovich. For the sake of time, I won't read all of the little publisher summaries unless somebody's just especially interested. But but you know that's a Stephanie Plum book, and and that's uh, DB one DB one 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 five five six. The next one is Without a Trace, Danielle Steele, and that is DB 112171, The Christmas Scorpion by Lee Child. Now, it says the reading time of that is only 37 minutes. I don't see how, based on the synopsis of it, that it could be that short, but I guess it could be.
0: It's probably Uh, a novelette or one of those small preview-type books. You see a lot of those.
1: But a lot would have to happen in 37 minutes, but maybe so. But it's a Christmas Eve, and that is DB111488. And uh, next is Mad Honey by Jody Pickle. And you know she always has a twisted churning book, and that's DB one one zero five nine six. And of course, fairy tale Stephen King, and Nolan. I believe it was Nolan gave a did a really good review review of that.
2: No, I didn't touch Stephen King. It was somebody else.
1: But somebody no. did a really good no. review. No. Yeah, I don't know who it
2: was. Today. I can't remember. Now.
1: Mobile and it is uh that's DB three one three one three zero one five five, Phone.
4: and then Wi-Fi there's Overkill,
1: Barbara which is by Sandra Brown. One one seven
4: seven oh <clears throat> and that's suspense,
1: romantic, medical fiction, legal fiction, all kinds of categories, and that's DB one one zero one three eight. And in the nonfiction, um, Spare, of course, was up there. That's the one by Prince Harry. And, and that's DB one, one, two, zero, one, seven. The light we carry by Michelle Obama. It's interesting that these were some that were just on the bestseller list that we looked at a few weeks ago. And that's DB one, 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 two, three, seven. Grammar girls, one hundred one misuse words. You'll never misuse again. You'll never confuse again. Gee, is a. And I don't, how do you say her name? Mignon? Mignon, huh? Mignon Fogarty? Yep. And that is um, DB110189. And we talked before about, I'm glad my mom died. And that's DB110152. And last but not least, how the internet happened from Netscape to the iPhone. And that's by Brian McCullough. And that's DB one one two zero one nine. And that's what I had.
0: And I see a raised hand or was a raised hand. Did you have something, Pierre? Maybe he didn't.
4: Maybe
2: yeah, those may have been from before.
0: Could have been. Well he raised it back up again. So
2: okay. Oh, sorry.
1: So, so have you read any of those
2: Nolan? no no i'm i'm sitting here listening to you read that list and i'm thinking no right. your tastes are so out of touch with what the rest of the nls readers are listening to what are you even doing i don't it scares me i don't know but um
0: <laughs> I, I uh y'all were just talking about the janet Devine book, book 29 yeah mm-hmm. I, I never laughed so hard in my life at I was laughing out loud at that book. It, it features Grandma Mazur. And, okay. uh, and uh, it's a fantastic book. That's
2: all I can say. It was,
5: you. We, we do have an, another hand, Nolan, from uh, Randy.
2: So, Randy, if you want to come on oh, in. Oh, please, yes. Let's bring her in.
0: Bring some sanity to us.
2: Yes. I need, <laughs> help. I need all the help I can get. Well,
0: will wait till she gets unmuted here.
3: Hi, everyone. Hi. I just wanted to, I'm not finished with this book, but I just wanted to put it out there anyway. Um, it's called The Five Wishes of Murray McBride, and it's DB 104366. Um, and if you've read a man called Ove, in a way it reminds me of that because this is about a hundred a man who's a hundred years old and he wants to die because his wife's already dead and he has no family except his grandson who hardly ever bothers with him and all his friends are dead. But he meets this 10-year-old kid who has a heart condition and he, the kid thinks he's going to die because he's on the transplant list. And he has five things he wants to do before he dies, like kiss a girl on the lips and go to a baseball game and they're funny things you know that a 10 year old would think of and i'm a little over two hours into it it's eight hours and some change and it's it, it's hilarious in some parts i was sitting here last night reading and just laughing out loud reading this book
2: so you know just that's like something i would really enjoy can you repeat the name and the and the order number do you have that
3: it's the five wishes of murray McBride. And the D B number is 104366. There's another book. Apparently, there's two in this series at least, because the second one is The Final Wishes oh, of wow. Murray McBride. And it's okay. 104365. It must have been on board first, which is weird. Yeah,
2: that's how they do that.
3: Yeah, it's an excellent read. In fact, we're gonna do it in my book club either in June or September. I'm not sure. So when we meet next yeah it's it's, it's so funny that <laughs> it's sounds just great. really a good book
2: yeah that's that's on my uh list to go get,
3: and Thank I just added that. the um do you talk, do you speak American
2: well, you'll, you you'll enjoy it i think um and again, the last chapter is outdated, but the rest of it is is really still i think relevant
3: well I'll be curious to see if you enjoy that one that I'll let you know
2: about. we'll talk about it on this program as a matter of fact. Thank you for your your input. Thank you. We now have Don with his hand up. So, Don, come on
6: in. Hi, I have a couple of things. First of all, you got me wanting to read the McNeil book. Um, I had planned to read it when it came out, and then I did, and I really need to. Um, I, on the other hand, will be very interested, probably, although it may be what I already know. When I was studying to get my degree in English, I did a little bit of work. A fair amount of work actually at one point on on poetry that was written in what was then being viewed as Black English Ebonics. And I think the reason it's important is because people tend to write it off and look at it as like ignorant or substandard. But when you look at it, it actually has a different structure, it has its own grammar, Um, it has its own history. And I know that right now, I think a lot of people, myself included, are, have, have very mixed feelings about the way that we're talking about diversity. And I think it, it makes it very easy for us to look at things and just say, enough already, even though this book didn't come out now. Right. Um, but I do think it, it, if you look at it from that perspective, it's very interesting. because I had not thought about it until I started really reading and looking at, yes, there's a similar structure, and yes, there's intent. Um, And when you know that, it puts it in a very, very different framework. Um, I loved A Man Called Ova. I loved it. And I watched over the weekend, I watched A Man Called Otto, which is the uh, sort of based on it. And I enjoyed that. Um, It's up on Netflix. So I enjoyed that. I also read something this week that I ended up really loving It's funny because I had such a hard time figuring out how many stars to get on Goodreads because I loved it, but I didn't love everything about it. It's called Only Love Can Hurt Like This. And it's by a romance writer who's apparently rather well known, Paige Toon, T O O N E. I think she's an Australian. And this it's not available on Bard. I I bought it and then I found it on Bookshare. Of course, after I paid the after I paid the money to buy it, I found it on BookShare. But actually I was kind of glad because I read part of it in Braille and then I, I read part of it um using my Lady A device because I, I wanted to get it finished in time. The, the author is 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 speaking at a reader's digest sponsored event. Um but it's a book about a woman who lives in England. And her mother lives in England, and her father lives in the United States. They're divorced, and the woman is engaged to be married. And her fiance, she she discovers that her fiance is very very attracted to someone else. What are you and doing to confront him? And she confronts him, and he uh, he says, "Yeah, I'm not sure that we're right for each other." So she comes to the United States to to spend, to really to get away. And she meets someone, and they develop a relationship. Now, the romance part of it, it, it just not. It doesn't interest me. Um, it may be very well written. It's not something I enjoy. I will tell you, I got tired of reading the descriptions of how, is, how he fit in his pants. Ugh, <laughs> yeah. I really didn't oh. care. But, but the relationship between the people in these families, her relationship with her half-sister, who she really did not know as an adult, and the 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 number of things that she thought she knew about what was happening in her family interactions that were not she wasn't understanding them correctly is fascinating the end is quite surprising but also quite possible and raises some very interesting questions about what we tell other people about ourselves what we tell ourselves what we hide and What We Don't Hide, and it ended up being something that I was very, very glad that I read, and if it hadn't been for the fact that, you know, I joined this Reader's Digest book club, and I thought, well, I'll I'll read it, okay. I'm very, very, very glad I read it. I I was the only other problem I had with it, and this was just me, I I could not believe how much time these almost 30-year-olds spent in the bar, and how much time they spent talking about what they drink and how much they had, and whether that (laughs) impact their dialogue. That drove me crazy. (laughs) But the interactions between the people made it so worth reading that I really came away. I really, really liked it. Um, I don't know that I'll run out and get more of her books, but I really am anxious to hear what people think about it and say about it because it really did make me think. And it actually caused me to have an interesting conversation with a friend of mine who... uh, let's say is has dealt with interactions in his family that the book kind of reminded me of and he is now reading it um I'm anxious to see what he thinks of it. So that's right. been my reading week.
2: And tell me the name of that again, if you don't mind.
6: Yeah, it's called, oh, I hope I get it right. It's called Only Love Can Hurt Like This. Okay. It's apparently also a song title, but I'm too old to know the song.
2: Yeah, I, I I was thinking of Only Love Can Break a Heart by... Uh,
6: right. <laughs> I thought of that all week. It was uh, earworm, and I'm, I'm thinking yeah. you, you have the wrong earworm. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> We have a caller, Nolan, in the 407. It's Shirley. So 407, if you want to come, come Shirley. on in. Yeah.
5: Well, first of all, just an absolute huge apology. I'm used to so many calls where you come in muted. And I blew it badly, so okay. um, I really apologize. I keep forgetting this one doesn't work that way.
0: Oh, I can make um, it that way, Shirley, if you want me to.
5: <laughs> Maybe you should for people like me. Uh, I
6: can I'm make really, it that really sorry. Okay, don't worry about <laughs> it. It would be a great um, idea and I'm gonna mute. Oh okay.
5: <laughs> anyway, um, I was calling in for for two reasons. Number one, I wanted to get the name of the Daniel Seal book again that Jennifer mentioned. Um, and um, number two, I I wanted to tell you that I just read that book about Marie McBride, and of course, no one's probably afraid to you know read anything. I would say was good. It's not true <laughs> after the last one, but I have to agree with uh, the person that talked about it. I'm not an audiobook reader. It's the first one I've listened to on audio forever because I couldn't get it any other way, and it was a great book. It really was. Parts of it were funny. Parts of it were were kind of sad. It was a mixture of a lot of things, but all in all, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the person did a great job with it, so um, I hope more of you guys will read it. But again, I did want to get the name of the book that Jennifer uh, mentioned by Daniel Steele. It's called Without a Trace. Thank you so much. And again, I'm sorry for before. Okay.
0: Oh, no problem. Oh, hey, that happens all the time. We've Thank also you. got a question from a listener in Paul and Kalamazoo who wants us to recommend a title, and I'm looking for it on Google now. It's called English to English. And it's written by Richard, and I can't—the phone screwed up the translation on the last name. Has anyone ever heard of this book?
2: No, but I'm looking at it as we speak. English to English. Hold on a minute. It almost sounds like a dictionary, doesn't it? But I'm sure Uh,
0: it's not. Yeah.
2: It's not, I'm sure. Uh, I'm typing quickly here.
6: Let's I wonder if quickly. it's a Richard Letterer book.
0: Yeah, that's right, Don. You okay? That makes You sense. win the prize, Don.
2: That's that's who it is, Richard Letterer. Yeah, it doesn't appear to be in Bard, or else I've misspelled it.
0: Don wins the prize. Don hits the three-pointer yep. from way back. Nice
2: job. Nice job. That's spelled L E D E R E R. If I'm not mistaken.
0: We'll see what we can do to find it. And thank you, Paul, and Kalamazoo for your recommendation. I realize that some people don't have Zoom and they can't come in or that prov- provides a barrier is. for them. Go ahead. Got it baby. right here. All I think, this right, is
2: the wrong thing. Um, well, he's re- this is called Anguished English, uh. an anthology of accidental assaults upon our language by Richard Lederer. I don't know if that's the book he's talking about.
0: Probably um, so. I'll go double yeah, check.
2: Anguished English. It's uh, it says leader letterer, an English teacher, author of the syndicated column "Looking at Language," um, and and the language uh, co-op. Sorry, and the language commentator on public radio has assembled an anthology of accidental assaults upon our language. I have not read this, and I need to. He gathers, he gathers uh, bloopers from such written sources as student papers, parents' notes, courtroom records, interesting, <laughs> oh, no. church bulletins, wow. yeah, newspapers, and he picks up slips of the tongue of the famous and infamous. And uh, that's... Uh, uh, anguished english and anthology and the order number is uh db holstel have lost it um three three six one three and again the author is richard letterer l-e-d-e-r-e-r that's a short book. it's two hours and 37 minutes so
0: that's what he said so i know we're on the right track okay good thank to you and don yeah, he whacked yeah. it out of the park, Good didn't he?
2: up with that author.
0: Yeah, he whacked it out of the park.
1: You no, know, and I have a question about your book about speaking American. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in that book that has anything to do with the, the way the people in the South talk? And, and I know, having lived down there, there are those who think those people are dumb, and they're not, just because of the way they talk.
2: Right yeah he talks about that in that one chapter this ain't your mama's uh south and he, he deals with the dialects down there and they're all over the country we all have regional weird stuff that we uh, grew up doing saying uh, listening to um um it just there you know i i've forgotten what one i heard here uh that was a, a ohio unique to ohio and maybe parts of appalachia i don't know but uh um she was talking about how when company was coming her mother would say all right time to red up (laughs) that? well apparently it means ready up or get ready uh prepare for this company clean things up get the place in order for the for the coming company and i heard other people say oh yeah i've heard that one and so i had never heard that in my life but again i'm not from here so um but yeah it's fascinating how those regionalisms creep in all over the place so um in the American West, uh, the, the Western United States—Oregon, Nevada, California, parts of Idaho, even parts of Utah—something uh, is going to be spendy if it's expensive. Ooh, that's too spendy for me. I can't. The rest of the country, or much of the rest of us, including the East Coast, would say that that's pricey. No, that's too pricey for me. I can't afford that. It's out of my range. Whatever. So well, you think think ahead.
1: about the think about the people up in the north—the Minnesota, the Michigans, the Wisconsin—everything is clipped. Their words and sentences yeah, yeah, are very
2: clipped. The accents are different. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a, it's a fascinating language, no matter how you look at it. Any other hands up? Not at this time. Not um, not now.
0: Whose turn is want... it now? I've lost score.
2: <laughs> uh, it's Nolan's turn. Uh, it's probably me. <laughs> I get to bore them silly one more time here. Um, I don't need. Even... I read this last saturday evening and i like it immensely even though i swore off world war ii okay hold on a minute wisconsin
4: everything
5: is
2: yeah we do need to fix that mute <laughs> um i had sworn off all world war ii holocaust related books I just, i'm done i can't stand it anymore i won't do it i made one exception because it had been on my hard drive since 2011 And I said, you know, you're either going to read this or you're going to delete it and get it off this hard drive. That's ridiculous. So I read it and it's called Clara's War. One girl's story of rescue. I'm sorry. One girl's story of survival. The author is Clara Kramer. The order number, should you be able to download this from the National Library Service, is DB69774. Once again, DB69774. This is the story of a young woman in Poland who, on the day Hitler invaded her country, September 1st of 1939, she and her family were camping out, having had a a family celebration prior to that invasion they didn't believe they couldn't imagine it was coming now they they were jewish folks dad ran some kind of factory and uh, and they just couldn't believe this sort of thing was coming there's just no way it would, would happen in their country the army would withstand it somehow something good would happen it couldn't possibly uh, go bad and of course it does as you all know the history and over a period of several weeks Clara and her family become less and less able to leave the country except on trains going east to places like Auschwitz and uh, Buchenwald and some of those other uh, horrible camps. And so they opted not to do that because they even then realized that if you went in that direction on that train, you weren't ever coming back. So they persuaded a Catholic family, a guy last name of Beck, to to take them in. And he did and he had a he, they dug a bunker in his house and this was before the germans were particularly noticeable about things like that so they got away with it dug this bunker in the basement of his house and those people had to stay there there was no air getting in and out it was phenomenally hot in the summer and crazy cold in the winter they had to empty the uh latrine buckets every day and uh somehow they had to do it in ways that they weren't noticed by the nazis This is a 19-month ordeal by this young woman and her family. Her sister is killed during the process, um, during the time they were in there. At one point, a bunch of SS soldiers moved into the house above them, and they could hear them up above, and they were trying to be as absolutely quiet as possible. Uh, They developed all kinds of lice and bedbugs and and prickly heat, and this is a phenomenal story about this young woman and her ability to just try to live through that experience. And in in fact, as you can imagine, because she wrote the book, um, the uh, the Russians actually were the ones who rescued her and her family, not the uh, Americans, not the allies. Um, She managed somehow to get to the United States, however, and lived the bulk of her adult life in New Jersey. Once again, this is Clara's War, One Girl's Story of Survival by Clara Kramer, DB 69774. I will mention just for those the sake of those who can listen via the National Library Service that Mitzi Friedlander narrates this and her ability to deal with the Polish and Ukrainian and Russian words that are in here was beyond fantastic. She had an intensity about this narration that made you lean into you, the edge of your seat, and really embrace it. She, I don't have any idea of her background. I don't know whether she has family who were part of the Holocaust at some point. I don't. I, I who knows? Maybe, probably not. I don't know. But it certainly narrates the way as if she did. It's a, it's an emotional narration. She doesn't obviously shed tears or anything like that. Her voice doesn't quiver or anything silly. But it's a highly emotional narration with lots of really well-spoken. Uh, her, she doesn't use weird phony accents and it's it actually enhanced the book for me just because of her narration so again that's uh, d b six nine seven seven four
0: okay, Jennifer Wait before we go to you, Jennifer. I think Don and Sandy are wanting to talk, and Nolan, the borders are secure
2: oh
4: yeah, I forgot.
0: They are now secure.
4: Yeah, okay. It's too late right. now,
0: but they're now secure. Don and Sandy, if you want to unmute, please do so.
4: Okay, I think I just got us unmuted here. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry we were a bit late here this uh, this afternoon. Had some technical difficulties of some kind there. Anyway, uh, there was one book I wanted to mention. Uh, uh, Nolan mentioned it a few uh, programs ago uh, called The Wrecking Crew. This is a book by uh, Kent uh, Hartman, I believe it is, and uh, uh, after uh, Nolan's uh, recommendation about the book, I have bought a copy and read it and uh, found it uh, very good uh, for people who are interested in how the music scene was here in the Los Angeles area, and who some of the musicians who uh, were uh, studio musicians and so forth, uh, people at no, most of us had never heard of before uh, he talks about and then of course there are a few like Glen Campbell and so forth who started out being uh, total unknowns but uh, by the time the book ended they were some of the most famous of the famous uh, especially in uh, country and country circles and pop circles and things like that uh, it is a very good book if, if you're interested in that I know when I was uh, working you know, we we had no uh, didn't really know too much about the some of the singers or some of the musicians that we were, whose music we were playing. We just didn't have uh, where I worked at, which is in uh, Wyoming. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we didn't uh, get uh, magazines like Billboard and things like that, so we did, really didn't get too much information on these people at the time. So from uh, this late date, you know, it, it's interesting to find out uh, who some of these people were and some of the travails they went through and so on. And it's a, it's a great book. So I certainly highly recommend it.
0: Very good. And thank you guys, both of you, so much for coming in with that book review. We really appreciate it. And thank you, uh, sure Don. Thing. You guys have a good day. All right. All right, Jenny, I think it's your turn, isn't it?
1: Maybe. Let's see. Um,
0: you're, you're trying to slide Nolan
1: on. <laughs> uh, uh, well, actually, yeah. I was going to ask Nolan if he had um, read anything in the in the Braille Book Review about the new magazine. What is it? Bookmarks? I know it's already... I was already... not even aware
2: it was out there. I apologize for that horn honking. I've got a neighbor who <laughs> is apparently not able to turn off his car alarm uh,
0: oh well that happens fortunately it's not being picked up
2: yeah so, we didn't even
0: hear it oh good hey we, we've heard everything coming in here going at one time
2: oh good uh, uh, okay well I, I
1: know it's on news line and it's supposed to be coming out on bard pretty soon and i just wondered if you I've not more heard about anything than... about it
2: that sounds like a good i thing know to... it's
1: supposed to be po- about popular books and me.
2: wow yeah
1: i
6: I read the first issue it's been up on bar for a while the audio version of it um I really was impressed with it it gives a lot of information and what's nice is that you can navigate it by subheading so like, if a particular book that they're giving news on doesn't interest you you can skip past it a lot of the sections are like three or four minutes long uh there's actually an interesting section that profiles a book club in each issue and there's i found out that several authors that i love that i haven't heard of in a long time are publishing books um i was really happy with it and then it gives profiles of a few well-known authors I didn't read the whole thing, but it was great. Like, if it had been put in audio before we could navigate the way we now can, it may have been frustrating reading. But because of the navigation possibilities, I thought it was thrilling. I didn't know they were going to have it in Braille, and I like that idea. But it's well worth looking at if you're interested in, if you're fascinated like we all are with books, I was really happy to see it. Can you tell me what the name of this
2: is again? It's called Bookmarks. I never even knew it was up there. Thank you.
6: Yep, it's in
2: the, it's in the magazines. I'm so glad I show up at this thing. Right.
0: <laughs> Nolan so, Weir has so to work on you. Would you, you
1: say right? it's better than the New York <laughs> book review that they have now?
6: I know it, it um, used to be. You know, it's different. It, it's... It, what I like, it, it's it's not as, quote, scholarly, although parts of it are. Um, one of the things that was interesting was, like, there was a letter from the editor, and I felt like there was a real connection between the editor and the readers, which is kind of nice that you don't see that in, like, New York Times book review. It's not so scholarly. I mean, it's, it, it's scholarly. It's It's informative. Certainly, it's informative, but it doesn't have that sort of semi-academic quality about it.
1: Yeah, I think that would be more fun to read, especially if they would put, like, some of the bestseller lists (sighs) in it.
6: Yeah, they don't do that, but I thought it was really... But it does cover, like, there was a whole section. And then they have it, what they do in the back of it, they have a section on each Mm -hmm. genre and they talk about books in each genre. And I think it refers back to earlier articles. I couldn't quite figure that out. But, like, if you wanted to look only at the mystery section, you could do that. Wow.
2: i That's my next project. Thank <laughs> you. That's really cool.
0: <laughs> Got to get no him idea. up to date. Yeah, oh, soon, gosh, soon, no soon.
2: <laughs> oh, trust me. I'm feeling... Really uh, out of touch here. Okay. He's on version 1.0. We need to this get him. Serious yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's all that is. <laughs> oh. well, thank you so, for that, Don. That's that's good knowledge. Uh, uh, who's? Do you have a? Do you want me to do one or were you? Uh, we, we really should remind people that next week our book is The Chain by uh, is it Tim McInty? No. Adrian.
1: This, Adrian, Adrian mckinty
2: Thank
0: well, you. we got to get that read while we're on our trip. Yeah. So,
1: no, yeah. and I have a question for you. Sure. Can you please give out the groups uh, link list for your uh, review?
2: Oh, sure. You simply send a blank email to db-review plus sign subscribe. So it's the plus sign up in the top of your keyboard, not yep. the PLUS. db-review plus subscribe at groups.io and uh, just blank emails all you need and then either Don or I will get you approved and, and you're in you, there's, that's all, it's as simple as that
0: what okay, if you wanted you. to do the legend or the book talk list, how would you do that?
2: So I would do I assume it's still called book talk yeah for right now, I would do book talk plus subscribe at groups.io. that's the email I, I, I would say I think you have
1: to do legend book talk, uh, is it legend dash
2: book talk I'm sorry, yeah
1: Plus subscribe.
2: So, yeah, legend-booktalk plus sign subscribe at (laughs) groups.io. And then the moderators will get you approved. And, uh... I don't moderate that one, so I don't. <laughs> I think, well,
1: that's a, not a real busy list. I'm hoping that it'll
2: get busier, but I do too. Well. I think that would be outstanding. Well,
0: I'm there. an easy touch, though, so
2: yeah, he, he'll he'll probably approve. yeah. I'll probably I mean, you are. let me on there. I, I tell yeah. you everything you need to know.
0: <laughs> Even though he's on 1.0, we need to get him to 2.0. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, he's way back. Then. I get it. <laughs> wow. You know, Are you sure we gotta, you don't want a new host for this because I'm out of touch big time.
0: Well, uh, we can do software <laughs> update over overnight and over the week, so you should be okay
2: if I can get rehabilitated over the overnight. Yeah. it's
1: not hard. It's not hard to update firmware via Wi-Fi now.
2: That's true. Yeah, it's you're true. good. <laughs> it shouldn't be too difficult. You're yeah. good. You want
0: to end the, this. Uh, train wreck with a review that can last I have
2: several more that we can use yeah i got a couple here if, if you're interested but uh that's what people pay the
0: big bucks for so uh,
2: right exactly yeah um i i can't remember whether i've talked about the warehouse by rob Hart. i don't think i brought that up last week no this is a creepy book folks uh first of all um the order number, should you be eligible to order from the National Library Service, is DB101286. Once again, DB101286. The author is Rob with two Bs, R O B B Hearts, H-A-R-T. This is called the warehouse. This is about a future America in which a large mail order company has basically taken over all services and run all the other competitors out of business. And it uses drones to drop material to those who sh- who order those anything from that company. It's called the cloud. Its employees live on the in the workplace and in what they call the mother cloud. These are big dormitories that house all of the employees. And um, uh, this in this future America, the climate has changed so much that people are having a struggle living in the outside world. It's become so incredibly hot that they can't they're, they're struggling just to stay alive. But those who do have work um, in places other than the cloud will order material and get it dropped in by drone from from the the cloud. the the uh, The story is about two young people. One of them who gets a job as a, as a, a security guy, and he his whole his whole purpose is to try to get to the guy who owns the company because he wants to tell that man, "You ruined my life." and you you took away the business that i started he had started a business with a product that he had tried to patent his patent failed because the cloud had better patent attorneys and they essentially stole his idea and stole his design and sold it on at the cloud for for less money and his his company his little company went broke so his goal is to try to at least get in touch with the guy who owns the company to tell him off and and maybe not much more than that but at least that another young woman wants in because she really dislikes the company and wants to actually physically destroy it and bring it down so this is very suspenseful you uh, have a point of view from the guy who owns the company who sounds a little like a Sam Walton more than a Jeff Bezos but uh he owns the company and um it's a creepy point of view because he thinks family is is his cloud employees not necessarily the rest of the world out there um He's dying of cancer. Nobody knows that but him. You have a point of view, of course, of these two young people who are both bent on some sort of uh, upheaval, revolution of the cloud by on the part of the the uh, these two, and it becomes very suspenseful at some point. You have you you. It's really an excellent. I thought it was an excellent book. Again, it's called The Warehouse by Rob Hart's DB one zero one two eight seven, and then. I've got just enough time to do a short one of um, another book. That's a little more, let me take this one on if I can. Um, One more review from here. This is called The Cleaner by Jonathan. uh, Yeah. By Jonathan Quinn. No, no, I misspoke. Jonathan Quinn is the main character. I'm sorry. The Cleaner is authored by Brett Battles, B-A-T-T-L-E-S. And his, its order number is 64446. Once again, D-B-64446. So Jonathan Quinn is the main character. He's a guy who goes in behind federal agencies who engage in illicit, inappropriate behavior like they ever do that. Oh, no, no. And um, and cleans up after the messes they accidentally make in their in their efforts to solve problems, quote, unquote, that are a little uh, off the scale stuff, stuff they don't want in the on Twitter or uh, Mastodon or anywhere else. Um, The kind of quiet uh, stuff that, yeah, you don't want to talk about that if you can help it this is an interesting book it's a lot of suspense and it's a lot of thrills um he is given a chance to do some some interesting work in here and finds out that he's really not all that thrilled by the kind of work they want him to do i don't want to spoil, pardon me i don't want to spoil it too much i enjoyed it immensely um they've they've got he the authors written a, multiple numbers of books on this uh with this character and i would wholeheartedly recommend it again it's the first book in the series is called the cleaner and it's uh brett battles db 64446 i think that kind of wraps it for me unless somebody's got something else
0: i thank you so much and really appreciate all you do for the show um is there anybody else have anything real quick before we We're going to go in a few seconds, but at least we got a whole podcast this week.
1: I just want to thank the moderators. You guys do a wonderful job and all the people that participated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, my email address is jsparks752 at gmail.com.
2: And you can contact me directly at nolan.crabb at gmail.com.
0: Well, thank you guys so much. We'll see you in the morning for the Coffee Club, a little show we started on The Legend since you've been gone, Nolan, that seems to have gone over quite well. So I remember that. Yeah, anyway, have a great day, and thanks, everyone.
2: Okay, take care.
6: Bye-bye. Recording stopped.